welcome to the Oh My Geekers podcast, where we educate others while educating ourselves on an array of topics. We also review movies, books, and TV shows. We're currently doing a two-part series on the life of one of the most beloved children's author in history. He was also a well-respected theologian who is quoted often by apologists, pastors, theologians, and your everyday Christian. So, what we're going to do here is... We're, we're talking g- about C.S. Lewis. Right, we're talking about C.S. Lewis, and we're going to just fly right in to World War One. And I just want to ask you, Zeke, World War One was kind of... Can you tell us a, what, what time in history was World War One? Give us just a little backdrop about World War One. Well, World War One was... Uh, the end happened right after the 1800s. Uh, I would say the early 1900s or mid 1900s. And uh, they called it the war to end all wars. It was the first real modern war because uh, with the exception of the Civil War, it was previous wars were not as technologically advanced they previously just had muskets and swords and spears and cavalry but with this they had uh toxic gases they had shells they had machine guns and it was uh very brutal Wow, the war to end all wars. That seems kind of strange to say that. <laughs> but so who was the world when when we say world war, um who was involved in this world war? Well, it was Austria and Hungary. They were on the side of the Axis uh and they were warring because uh, Serbia had uh, assassinated their monarch, Archduke Ferdinand, and uh, that started a chain reaction to where Germany, France, Russia, England, America, Japan, they all joined into the war. Wow. And so at this time, um, C.S. Lewis, where was he at in this point? in time in in history well he was going to go to oxford but he enlisted in the military how old was he uh very young like 18 well not that young (laughs) okay because i usually think when i think of world wars i think they're enlisting like 18 year olds (laughs) and even 17 year olds depending on the war but he um i know he was actually going to college right Yes. At the time, and he was almost ready to uh, move into something that he was excited about, but then he couldn't because he had to actually enlist. And he enlisted himself, correct? Yes. Yes. There was no drafting in England at that time. Mm -hmm. Well, back then, if you didn't enlist yourself into the war, you were pretty much considered a, a pacifist, right? You're considered a chicken. A chicken, a wussy. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, 
kind of tell us about you know what he was doing at that time and and how he uh, transitioned from college into the war. Well, he just signed up and mm-hmm. he went. He got uh, shipped off to war uh, along with some of his friends. His so, friends were from college as well. From college as well, yes. The Oxford College. Oxford. Oxford yes. was considered like a very um first of all difficult school to get into and did you have to be well off you had to be well off you had to be well off and and you had to get they had a grading system as well a grading system and c.s lewis had three firsts which is kind of like three a pluses Mm -hmm. which was very difficult to get it was very difficult to get but not impossible Mm -hmm. was he top of his class during that time or did he have like a nemesis or a competitor <laughs> not that i know of oh, okay. but he was probably top of his class okay but um, i'd like to say this he did not like math and that's very encouraging <laughs> to a lot <laughs> yeah. of people out there because he's considered a very uh well-educated mind but math was not his yeah. strong suit so it's okay if you math is not your strong suit <laughs> yeah so he goes to war and he becomes a more fervent atheist because of it, because of all the death and destruction that he sees. Mm-hmm. Like, he was in one of the largest battles in World War One, the Battle of Somme, I believe. I'm probably butchering the word. But it was so big that even Tolkien was a part of that battle on the other side of the country. Which country are we speaking about? France. Okay, so they had traveled to France, France, to um, fight, fight in this world war, and yes. during this time, um, you know, uh, they had a lot of in this war. They had a lot of um, foxholes, right, or trenches. Trenches. Mm-hmm. And I think he got sick. Uh, trench C.S. Lewis. Free, trench fever, right? I. I believe so. A lot of people got trench fever. A. A. Maline got it. A. A. Maline. Oh, yeah. Winnie the Pooh. Sorry. And J.R. Tolkien also had it. This is so interesting that all these children's authors actually fought in these, like, treacherous wars. I mean, treacherous is not even a word that I could describe for how horrendous brutal and horrendous and hellish a war is if you've ever watched any war movie you know just picture these these english or would i say british authors you know a.a malign winning the poo i mean you just think how sweet and how innocent um but then these men have seen the most brutal part of humanity it just trips me out and i mean i always had pictured them having a cup of tea, you know, and surrounded by a ton of books uh, while uh, listening to classical music and, you know, and here they are, you know, committed to their country and fighting for, um, I'm, I'm assuming something that was for their, for their country, for something that was uh, ethical and noble you know, I'm, I'm not, I don't know my history very well as far as what the World War One was all about, but we could talk about World War One another day because we're. Yeah, so 
So he goes back to Oxford and I believe he becomes a professor. Can I ask a question? Yes. So did he just like, how did he get out of the war? Because a lot of people just don't, they either die or... I think it either ended or he got sent back or his time was up. Okay. So do you know about how long a person, you know, serves? Because I know with uh, Tolkien, he he had to... He had to get... uh, discharged back because Mm -hmm. of his illness Uh i think it was the same for lewis Mm -hmm. a lot of people got sent back because they got sick Mm -hmm. because they don't want sick soldiers yeah so uh, however it happened he got sent back and later he becomes a professor at oxford Mm -hmm. Uh, for us uneducated people out there what is a professor because <laughs> for me or if there's somebody that is just you know a kid just learning about these things like what does a professor do I know it's kind of it's kind of like uh your teacher except they actually like it <laughs> uh I don't think that they're waiting for the next five years of retirement <laughs> their pension or anything and they have they write books oh their special interests so they actually their special interests that's their special interests and they actually have a, a lot of um uh, inspiration towards their students and their students want to be in the class yes. as well so they would take um that class as their elective okay that's an interesting and so he's a professor at Oxford, a professor of... Yes. Uh, a professor of uh, English literature and medieval literature. Ooh, exciting. Yes. And uh, he is at that time writing a large poem. And it's a pretty much an atheistic poem in a way. Uh, and he finally gets it published, but it does not sell. It bombs. <laughs> it does not sell. What was the name of well, the poem? Do you know? Dimer. Dimer? What was it about? I don't know. It was very complicated. I think it was an epic poem. I have a question about poems real quick. There's complicated poems, and then there's simple poems like A.A. A. Maline would make and put into, you know, the Winnie the Pooh book or not Winnie the Pooh, sorry, the, um, is it the Winnie the Pooh? Winnie the Pooh. Oh, um, so what would you prefer? Would you prefer a very complicated, complex poem? Or for you, do you like, uh, one with, you know, that you could even put a song to? (laughs) Both. Both? Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And he's talking to... I don't know exactly who it was, but he was talking to one of his friends and his friend was a Christian and his friend always would come to the fact that uh, all these Christian authors are able to make such beautiful works and why is that and why do you not, why do people not have a desire for atheistic things and why do people have a desire for god 
and it's like where there's hunger there's food food to eat where there's love there is relationships so if there's a need for god then there must be a god mm. so he becomes not a christian but a theist what is a theist just someone who believes in god oh okay a god, a god. it's it could they could even make that god up for themselves god to that, who they yeah. are or how do you say that they how they want god to be to them yeah, he was yeah. he was interested in Christianity and um, Hinduism. Oh, okay. So, uh, with Hinduism, why was he interested in Hinduism and Christianity? Because like, there's so many different religions that he could have chosen. Why why Hindu and Christianity? Are they a lot alike? I think it was because of their archetypical nature meaning that they have these very ancient themes that like you won't find these ancient themes in mormonism you'll get a bunch of nonsense in mormonism but you'll get these solid themes in christianity and hinduism because they're such old religions when you say solid things are you talking about uh just archetypical just it, it it takes you back to a time before anything an actual tangible time um because i i, I know um c.s lewis was a brilliant thinker and mm -hmm. he was more uh, thought very logical like some people when they want to know the lord and they they quite they don't know you know, they, they meet somebody that wants to just share a testimony. And to them, they're like, that's not going to be enough for me. I need to, I need to be sold on this. Because... I need to be methodical about this. And mm -hmm. for him, Christianity and Hinduism were the uh, two most uh, reasonable religions in his mind. That, that, okay, that makes sense. Yeah. That makes sense. So then later, he, he's not really a good person still, and he still has this emptiness. Uh, so uh, J.R.R. Tolkien and a man named Hugo Dyson go with him for a, for a long walk. It's like from midnight to morning. And they convince him that every myth is true because they're not lies. They're just allegories. Mm -hmm. And that, of course, an allegory has to be come from somewhere. And they say, they convince him that... Um, Christianity is the true myth. It's the it's the logos, the telos of mythology. Can I interrupt you real quick <laughs> before you go a little further? Because I'm this is kind of going over my head. So you're saying that uh, C.S. Lewis 
was really well versed in all of the myth methodical things that he studied mythology okay so um greek mythology and other mythology myths that have come down through you know history and he was so well versed in those and he did he believe in all those myths no he didn't really believe in all these myths did he believe in any of them or did he just well, know he, about them? He knew he about them. He became them. a theist. Mm-hmm. So he had an idea that they were somehow true, but he didn't actually believe in any of it. Mm-hmm. Just that there was a God. Um, he didn't have to do anything miraculous. He just had to create this world. But J.R. Tolkien and Hugo Dyson convince him that... Uh, just because it looks fantastic doesn't mean it's not real because the rational the overly rational people are actually imprisoning us with just believing that there is nothing outside of the uh physical and uh with christianity there has to be some and other myths, there has to be something spiritual. And, of course, if there is a desire for spiritual things, there has to be spiritual things, right? That's what I like. That that could be a quote. If there's a desire for spiritual things, there has to be spiritual things, mm-hmm. right? That is a quote from Ezekiel Thrasher. Well, it's kind of based off of C.S. Lewis. Okay, never mind. We don't want to <laughs> rip off. <laughs> yeah, and... J.R. Tolkien and Hugo Dyson tell him that Christianity is the true myth because it's an actual recording. It's an actual, like, eyewitness account. Mm -hmm. Like, you'll get who Buddha is, but Buddha is more of a philosopher. Um, You never, ever see anyone named Zeus come up in history except in myth. But Jesus Christ was a real person. He actually lived. There were eyewitness accounts. It's written like an eyewitness account. There's so so much evidence. There's so much evidence that Mm. Christianity has to be the true myth, the source of all myths. Mm, Yeah, because uh, uh, I've heard this. um, There's a lot of counterfeits out there. Um, relating to the Bible. So you'll, let's take the flood, for example. There's a lot of flood, uh, stories. flood stories in, they're, 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 they're named myths, um, you know, from different countries and different cultures throughout history. Uh, but that flood story actually, you know, uh, comes from the, the very, um, uh, Bible itself, and there's evidence for that. Yeah, there's evidence for that. We actually have a place called Ararat. We don't think that it's the real one, but it's in the area, and w- there's linguistic evidence for people named Sham, Ham, and Japheth. So they actually existed. Um, that old guy in that one. Babylonian myth we don't have any record of him but we know that he has to be Noah but we know that Noah was a real person and not this 
old guy in the Babylonian myth. Yeah, and so the thing that I really like about, you know, professors and scholars and theologians is that they're really reasoning the scriptures. They're really, you know, um, they, they have studied in depth and they've really gotten to know um, so much in history and to a point where, you know, God's going to lead someone that is just as smart and just as interested in all the knowledge and the facts to them. And so if you out there have a family member that's very uh, analytical and they're very, um, you know, they got that scholarly mind and they're stuck on, you know, believing in evolution or, you know, um, they're an atheist and they just can't wrap their mind about around the fact that there is a God that created all of this. There are scientists out there and that have that, you know, that brain that can, that can reach them. And I believe, uh, how old was, uh, C.S. Lewis when this time, when this was all going on? I think in his thirties. Yeah. Sometimes we think when person passes like maybe 25 and they still don't know the Lord that it's too late, you know, <laughs> and maybe they're in their mid thirties already. And you're like, when are they ever going to, you know, wake up to the call of God upon their lives? Um, just know that, um, even, even C.S. Lewis went through war and still didn't believe in God. But looking back, that was probably something that God used you know, um, war is humbling, war is, you know, eye-opening. Um, so a lot of people can go through some very difficult times in life and, and they're still not saved, but then you can still have that hope that God will bring someone in their path that's just like them, that likes the same type of things they like, that thinks a lot like them. And you know what? Pray for those people to be in that person's life because, you know, with God, all things are possible. Even someone with um, a very knowledgeable mind. Sometimes it's harder with people like that because they think they're smarter than everyone else. But, you know, there comes a point in time where humility comes in. And I, I only God can open up their eyes at that point. And we could also pray that God would take the blinders off and let them see, hey, I'm not as good as I thought I was. You know, goodness, where does goodness come from? If I want to be good and moral, where does morality come from? So I'm sure he was, you know, grappling with a lot of different thoughts such as those, like we all do, but on our own levels, I guess. Yeah. So he then becomes very interested in theology and he even publishes a book called The Four Loves. He's not saved yet at this point? No, he's saved now. He's saved now after going on a trip with his brother somewhere, and then he came back, and then he believed in Christ. Iced. How did that happen? Did he just... He just decided, he, he thought about what Tolkien and uh, Dyson said, and he thought it was reasonable, and then uh, God tugged at his heart. Wow. Was he in a room by himself? Was he no, walking he was, in a field? He was, he, he was, I think he was on a motorcycle. <laughs> uh, oh, what kind of motorcycle? Like, 
The one on Wind in the Willows? <laughs> the one on Wind in the Willows. Oh, that's cool. Was he... A... Oh, you know what? I think he he uh, grew up with reading Wind in the Willows. It's possible there's talking animals. Mm-hmm. I know he grew up with... Um... Beatrix Potter. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, he, he, he had those influences. Mm-hmm. And he wrote his theology book and they got popular wow they got popular he popularized theology for the common everyday person instead of just people that went to school Mm -hmm. and all that and um did he write them in in such a simplistic way that just in a such a simplistic way and everyone liked them except tolkien (laughs) (laughs) because Mm -hmm. Tolkien was Catholic, so... Oh, I see. So, so he... what, what... I don't get it. So what's the difference between Tolkien being Catholic and C.S. Lewis just becoming a Christian? Well, with Tolkien being Catholic, um, I'm pretty sure he was saved. But mm-hmm. since he was, like, Catholic all his life, it's hard to tell when he got saved. Mm-hmm. Um... You could say it was after his mother's death mm-hmm. that he got saved. Kind of like an opposite of what C.S. Lewis did. C.S. Lewis kind of became an atheist when his mother died. But with C.S. Lewis, he was he was basically an atheist all his life. And then he became a Christian. And we definitely know at what point he got saved. Oh, and I see. he was an Anglican, which is basically just like Catholic, only there's no Pope. Oh, okay. So I think with C.S. Lewis, he was probably just kind of t- took up different denominational um, influences upon his life. He was a mere Christian. That's what mere Christianity is about. A it's mere about, Christian? <laughs> it's not about this denomination or this denomination. It's about Christ. Because you're a mere Christian, not a Anglican or a Catholic. Oh, I've never, I never knew that. That's really interesting. Well, I think we're going to wrap it up for today. And mm-hmm. we're going to do probably a few more parts on this series of The Late Great... C.S. Lewis, and um, I'm really excited to talk about some of his works um, a little further in detail, but for now, we are going to sign off, and we hope you enjoyed this episode on the life of C.S. Lewis. Thank you for joining the Oh My Geekers podcast. <laughs>